Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have a father that is coming all the way from Michigan. His name is Tyler. How's it going, Tyler? Going really well. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Absolutely. So Tyler has a young son that was diagnosed in utero, and he's going to kind of share his story of from diagnosis to after birth. And um, I guess let, let's just get you started. Kind of, um, did you guys have a hard time getting pregnant or was it pretty easy? Um, yeah, so, so Jax is our first son. Um, I, I guess you could say it was pretty easy. It wasn't necessarily a super planned thing, kind of if, if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. And, you know, sure enough, um, we found out we were pregnant, I think, June of last year. Um, and we're super thrilled and excited with that news. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, you know, a great start to, to that journey for us. And then did you guys like, how was, was non-invasive prenatal testing an option or was it something that you guys wanted when you guys got pregnant or kind of how did that happen? Yeah. So we were, <laughs> we were like, and this, I found to be quite a divide, you know, people wanting to find out gender or not. And we did. Um, and we didn't really want to wait till a, in Michigan, the 20 week ultrasound where you can find that out. So we did have the option for some genetic testing in advance of that. Um, so that was the impetus for us doing that. Just wanting to find out the gender, uh, a little bit sooner if we could. Um, and that's what, what led us, um, to doing that testing. And then once you guys did the non-invasive prenatal testing, how long did it take you guys to get results? Um, I want to say it was a couple of weeks maybe. Um, and we were, so we were going to do like a gender reveal too. Um, so I don't, I don't, I think we're going to do that a little bit later on. Uh, one of my wife's friends was kind of going to field the results for us and, you know, set up, we were doing like a golf ball hit kind of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the doctor did end up calling us a little bit earlier than I think we would have expected. Um, you know, with the update. And can you kind of explain in detail what that phone call was like? Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. So I had actually just, so, you know, recently um, my wife had gotten pregnant and then I had actually just started a new job. So it would have been one of my first weeks in the office, just kind of gathering my surroundings. And I, you know, happened to get a call from her Um you know, usually if she's calling me during the workday, especially at a new job, it's something probably pretty important. Um, and she was kind of calling in, in a panic, like saying, just saying, you know, something's wrong, something's wrong. Um, you know, we, we, I don't know what's going on with, with our baby, but the doctor called to say that something was wrong. Um, and of course, you know, with us wanting to find out the gender and our doctor knowing it would be a surprise, you know, she kind of at a very high level shared that there was something they found potentially in the genetic testing. It was related to gender. Um, so she wanted, you know, our consent and sign off uh, for her to share that with us um, because it would, you know, have us find out the gender in that moment. Um, you know, so following that, we did, you know, call her back. And, you know, I don't think this is something she had encountered too much, but she kind of, again, at a high level, tried to walk us through um, the diagnosis of XXY Kleinfelter syndrome um, and what that could possibly look like. Uh, and then I think she just gave us some room to kind of 
uh, dive in on our own, which, you know, as you and many in, in the living with XXY community know, can be a bit of a spiral. Um, so I think that's a little bit what it was to be, you know, perfectly honest in the first maybe 24 hours. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot, a lot to understand. You know, we learned that we were having a boy, um, not in the way that we had planned to learn. Um, but yeah, tried to start getting up to speed pretty quickly. And, you know, unfortunately, what you do find in, in the Google results, um, you know, isn't all that helpful. <laughs> so, you know, we're um, just to kind of bring this all together. You know, we're, we couldn't be more thankful for, for what you and the Living With XXY team and larger community are doing, because that has just been so instrumental um, at that point in time. I think we ended up, you know, finding your page a few days, maybe a week or so later. Um, and that really, really got us comfortable, um, you know, with what we were going to experience in the months and, you know, now years ahead. Well, that's, that's really awesome. And thank, thank you for that, the support of, of, you know, finding and finding us useful and helpful. Let's walk, yeah. well, let's walk back a little. So when you were at work and you got that phone call, did you leave work or was it something like, what, what, what was the kind of your state of mind when your wife called you in panic? Yeah. So, you know, she was relaying a message from the doctor who, again, you know, didn't get into to very many details um, because she didn't want to expose the gender without our, um, you know, our consent. So I did, you know, soon after that, I did. Um, I think I had told my my boss or manager that we were pregnant at the very least at that time. So, you know, just said something I had to go home and, and check in on. And then I think from there, uh, we kind of called the, the doctor together. And can you go back and kind of explain some of those emotions and, and some of those feelings of when you guys did call the doctor back and, and what, you know, like you said, she didn't really know much about it. She's might've had this once or twice, but kind of, can you explain in detail what that, what that was like for you guys? Um, yeah, I think so. We, yeah, we just didn't have any semblance of what it was. I think, you know, we were, you know, expecting obviously from that testing to find out the gender and potentially, you know, I guess in our heads, which is the wrong way of thinking when doing something like that, anything beyond gender that we would find out from that testing, I guess we just kind of thought would be something that's super extreme for whatever reason. Um, I think that was just our thought process. Um, so that's kind of where we started. Uh, we were just a little bit fearful. You know, we always want wanted the best for our child. Um, so I think, you know, the, the best word to use just out the gates was, you know, there was some, some fear and some anxiety about what this would mean. Um, and, you know, that was only you know, led further by the initial kind of research that we had done. Um, not even research at that point, kind of just, you know, uh, first kind of th things that we had thumbed through. Um, but again, as we began to learn more and more uh, and found your page and some others like it and some other communities, um, we really started to learn. Uh, about the diagnosis and what it would mean. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it helped us get closer to him um, and just understanding who he was and who the potential of all that he could be. Um, and I think it almost strengthened not only our relationship with each other, but, but with him as well. And so when you were talking to the doctor and obviously she didn't know very much and she kind of like left you on your own, um, what, Let's see what, um, oh man, I forgot my question. Um, let's see, where was I? So 
Oh man, that just t- just ripped out of my mind right there. Um, <laughs> no, that happened. I will say one thing. Yeah. The, um, so the doc, like, not to her own discredit, I don't think. Like, she wasn't trying to lead us astray or anything. I think she was just presenting us with the, the information she had. She was, you know, fantastic um, in the weeks to come and kind of learning alongside of us and answering any questions that we did have or pushing us in directions where maybe where we could get get answers. But I think that is a testament to like you know, there is a need for a growing knowledge base, um, you know, around XXY. Absolutely. It's, it's all about the delivery. We've, we've figured out that families that get, um, a lot of families that get like told, you know, they get the dreaded phone call at a random time during the random part. And the doctor like says, yeah, something's wrong. It's like, like, the way that you say something's wrong or how you say it or what you tell people with that, with the very little knowledge that you have, you might've Googled it before you called your family, um, has a huge impact on whether a family feels like empowered by the diagnosis or whether they feel like they need to hide behind it and like keep it a secret and not tell anyone. and, And the fear of judgment and all of those awful things that, you know, some people kind of can, get from it because of how it was delivered what I was what I was going to ask is did they offer any like amnio or CVS or was it something that or cord blood after he was born like did you guys talk about confirming the non-invasive prenatal testing diagnosis yeah yeah so we didn't want to do anything in advance of the actual birth um, because I think there was some maybe risk with what was presented to us there um, I think they had given, from what they had found in the genetic testing, they had given us maybe an 80% chance um, that he would be diagnosed. And then, you know, following his birth, they did do the cord blood testing um, and found the diagnosis to be to be true, which we had expected and, you know, kind of been, you know, just, uh, you know, assuming that he would have that uh, based on the initial testing. So when you when you guys started to research on your own and your doctor left you with, she was obviously supportive and she wanted to learn more, which was, that's super awesome. And that's very rare. Um, so it's yeah. really awesome that you guys had that positive experience of bringing information and then like sharing and learning. So her bedside manner for maybe the next one might change a little. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's all about awareness and, and ad, self advocate, like advocating for your child right there before he's even born. Um, what kind of, what was some of the initial information that you guys found and, and what were the feelings and emotions behind finding that information? Yeah. Um, so I think some of the initial stuff you find is just, um, you know, the Google search, those like crazy old images that are, you know, depicting the farthest, farthest end of the spectrum and aren't, aren't, you know, really relating to, I think what most people by far the majority of people with XXY, their lived experience. Um, so I think, yeah, and I, I, I think it just pushed in a lot of different directions. If you if you launch off then those photos, you get, you know, um, the, the deeper corners that aren't at all helpful. Um, yeah, so I, from there, I think, you know, we did just try and find, you know, more positive framing, a more accurate framing. Um, and I think, you know, your blog and website and social media channels and everything else were, were a fantastic, amazing start. Uh, I think you guys all do a great job of, you know, pushing in other directions with other tools and just, you know, 
being um, an advocate for other resources. Um, and then even just other communities. Uh, I think we found a local, my wife um, um, is, has been an amazing, amazing mother and support through all this. Just she dove right in, right? Like she wanted to be the best mom ever and understand everything associated, um, you know, with XXY. And, you know, she joined some mother groups here locally, um, kind of looked into, you know, any specialists in the area. So we lined up geneticists, endocrinologists who had had some experience with past um, XXY uh, kids. So, you know, just trying to, to put all our ducks in a row to, you know, do our best to understand what he might need, but, you know, understanding that he's still the best version of himself and he's still, you know, uh, an amazing baby with all the potential in the world. So when did you kind of learn that it was a spectrum? Like when did you guys come to the realization of, wow, there's a lot of extremes and there's a lot of, you know, positives <laughs> and, and kind of, cause floating around on the internet you know there's so much old outdated information studies done in the 1970s about xxy and xyy in jail like there's there's a lot of really horrible information that pops up pretty quickly and a lot of people find that first and so what kind of gave you the realization that like a lot of this stuff is it might be worst case scenario yeah i think in fi- honestly in finding that we're like this i mean this is just not reality right? Like this feels extreme. It feels negative planting. Like this isn't, this isn't it. Um, so I think the finding of those images in their own crazy way pushed us to, to the right kind of stuff. Um, and being a little bit more targeted in our search. Um, so yeah, I, I'd imagine, I don't remember exactly, but I think, you know, yours would have been one of the first pages that explained kind of that spectrum in the variance of, of degrees for XXY and, you know, how common it really is and that, you know, a lot, uh, of those with Kleinfelter don't actually ever become diagnosed, um, you know, which is another crazy statistic. I think it's, you know, 25% that are diagnosed at this point in time in their lifetime. So um, I think it was the realization that, you know, there there is just a variety uh, as there is in any kind of birth, right? Like any kind of person, there's just a, a large variety of how, you know, you might turn out. And, you know, I think the potential is there for everyone. For sure. And so once you guys, you know, going back to the when you guys found out the diagnosis, um, was it something that you guys talked with about family with to family and friends or um, kind of what was the advocacy for your son on on that aspect? Do did they, you know, what was that like for you guys? Um, Yeah, so we I think at first we kept it pretty close knit. So we told both sets of parents. and of course, with that, a little bit different than maybe how doctors delivered it. And maybe this is the way that they should, but we did our due diligence, right? Like we wanted to be able to answer any questions. And we also wanted to, you know, position this as not, you know, not an issue, but just something about him that we've learned, right? And something that we know to be true about him. And, um, you know, he, he might have his own challenges, but, you know, and we might be able to, in some ways intervene with those or anticipate those, you know, given this knowledge base that we do have through channels like yours and others. Um, so we, yeah, we kind of did our research and, and even ordered some books and, and whatever else. Um, and then, you know, brought that to our parents and, and some close friends in, um, you know, a more appropriate way, I would say. 
and what was the reaction? You know, like obviously, I'm sure it took a huge weight off your shoulders because you guys weren't holding on to something that was very near and dear to your heart. And then, what was kind of the reaction from the close knit family members? Yeah, um, it was great. I mean, we couldn't have asked for more, right? Like unfazed, um, as you would hope, especially you know the way we presented it. But just hey, we're going to be a support system for you. Um, you know, as they help, they all live close, which is a blessing. So as they help with childcare, um, and just as they, you know, get to know him and are maybe taking periods of time to do daycare and watch him or whatever else, um, you know, helping us to guide him and maybe some challenge areas or just being aware, but yeah, just loving him the same, no matter what, and, you know, offering us all the support in the world. Um, yeah. So all we could ever hope for really. I think you, you touch on a, I mean, I'm really glad that you had a positive experience. And I think that there's a, there's a huge kind of gap within this. And, and maybe we can talk about it just for a little bit to veer off your guys, your story. But um, there's so many families and so many people that get the diagnosis and, and worst case scenario pops in and, and it's very hard for people to understand it's a spectrum. And then when they go to, you know, a lot of people want to tell family and want to tell friends, but they don't know how, or they think it's their son's diagnosis to you know, like to share. And then the, I think the biggest thing is the fear of judgment and their, yeah. the, the constant fear of like, well, are they going to treat him differently because of this? And like you said, you kind of, you guys did your due diligence on figuring out, you know, the diagnosis. And even though your son's not born yet and you don't know where his struggles are, where his triumphs are, you, you kind of, how did you go into that family situation? Like, cause what I've noticed is everyone that tells family and everyone that tells friends, like they get positive support. They don't get judgment. They don't get these irrational things and if there is that one person it, it's pure ignorance based on they don't understand chromosomes which a lot of people don't you know there's some yeah. educational things that their ignorance comes from so what was what was that did you guys talk about that before you told family or did you know deep down in your heart regardless your family was going to accept it yeah I think we knew deep down um you know fortunately in our case with with both of our families um that they would accept it and be supportive. You know, we, we had that knowledge. Um, I think to your point, I think that is something we consider as we, you know, would navigate this longer term, like who to tell, when to tell, like there's a spectrum of that too. Um, because you, yeah, to your point, you don't want ignorant people to, to view him differently, but we view him as, you know, everything he is. And this is just, you know, a, a part of who he is and it will shape kind of his life. And, a variety of different ways but you know he is himself first and foremost so we don't want this to necessarily be a leading thing uh, of who he is but it, it is uh you know um an aspect and yeah so i i think with you know close friends and family um we knew that support but you know there might be some navigation for us um you know going forward as to you know when it's his story to tell when it's ours and know how to present it to those who might not be accepting that's a really good point I mean and like you said there's an aspect of this that is Kleinfelder syndrome and one of the things I try to tell a lot of parents is you know your son has a third of your your mom you know the mom's side of the DNA and a third of dad and then he's got a third of Kleinfelder syndrome but the sum of who he is is not Kleinfelder syndrome but it's also in our DNA and it's not something that you can just take away and and you know 
looking at it, looking at what the triumphs are and what a lot of the the men and and boys out there have been able to accomplish in a you know non neurotypical world, or in a neurotypical world where you know non neurotypical kind of has a hard time. There's so many awesome aspects of Klinefelter syndrome that don't get talked about, and they don't they haven't made the the major mainstream Google or the major the major mainstream research projects. So. Uh, there's a lot of there's already a lot of like negativity and a lot of fear based um yeah. you know health problems lots of it's all all the information is pretty much negative and so when you're navigating that as a family when you're pregnant a lot of emotions going on it's really hard to figure out what like a lot of people really worry about where on the spectrum their child's going to be and one of the big things I tell people is like, even if your son didn't have XXY, you would have no idea where on the spectrum of life he would be. Yep. So yep. that's, you guys have a really good solid mindset and, you know, the reaction from family and not, you know, not having the fear of judgment overshadow the possible support and love that they could bring to your child, especially with daycare or as he grows up knowing like, okay, yeah, he's really visual and he's really good at this. So we're going to like adapt and change how we do something to help him learn even faster, even better. And then like the areas that he might not be good in, like you almost have a crystal ball in some, in some ways. Yeah. That's how, that's how we view it. I mean, I, I think your point's exactly right. And that's what we speak to. It's like any child, you don't know, like there's a spectrum of everything. You don't know what they're going to be like. Right. Um, we have some guidance, uh, we have some cues to look for. I think to date, you know, there's not too many developmental milestones, um, that we can track, but we would, you know, if not diagnosed, you would never, you know, know any difference to them. He's the, the happiest, smiliest. And I think this, you know, might go to Kleinfelter's right. Cause them being, you know, very gentle and sensitive, um, I think those will be aspects that, that he portrays. He's portraying them in his own way already, but. Yeah, we would know, you know, no different. Um, but in the coming months, as there are milestones, we can be, you know, cognizant of those, um, help to anticipate and maybe, you know, advocate for him um, in certain areas where needed. Um, so in a lot of ways, you know, knowing so much potentially about our child is is awesome. I mean, it's a good, it's a, it's a really good mindset to have and, and, so moving forward, like after telling family and, and, you know, how was just the pregnancy after you guys kind of came to a comfortable place within the understanding yeah. of, you know, this is not something that is, we're going to, we're not going to terminate. This is not something that, you know, we're going to stress about. We're going to embrace it. Like no. how, when did that kind of. Yeah. I think it was after that, like we just, you know, we were all in, right? So we kept learning. Um, we kept being a part of communities. We actually um, signed up for the uh, Denver Extraordinary Kids Study, um, you know, to participate in that and help them in their research and understanding of Kleinfelter and, you know, to help those who are diagnosed in the future, help create awareness too. Um, but then also hopefully learn from what they're learning uh, as well and just be a part of that process. I think the other thing that I didn't mention um because there was that inherent fear early on, we had always, if it were, if we were going to have a boy, we had wanting, wanted to name him Jack for the longest time. Um, and I think, uh, you know, in those, you know, early days discussions, I had the thought of, you know, switching it to Jack's 
um, and empowering. And, and, um, you know, we knew so much about him already, um, you know, through the diagnosis, right? So taking that X and empowering the XXY that, that is a part of him, um, you know, I think that really helped us in a lot of ways too. Um, so his name is significant and has meaning and it's, you know, pertinent to him. And I think that was a helpful tool for us. And, you know, he, yeah, that's, that's who he is. He's Jackson. He's amazing. How do you spell that? So just J-A-X. Yep. That's that's so rad. That just gave me chills that you guys. <laughs> that's... Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was before, like, you know, we had really found research. Like, I was just like, we need a way to like spin this positive and, you know, having that in, again, another way to just know, like he was jacked from, from that moment and just know him better and better, like was huge for us. So you guys, you guys just changed You, you changed his name and, and that's, that's, that's so inspiring. That's such a, to, to throw a positive twist on it and to, to have his name kind of include like, cause so when he gets later and he asks like, why am I named Jax? That's another, that's a great way of telling him how he has XXY. Yeah. Like there's so much, there's so much positive that comes from that. And so when you guys fully that moment, when you embraced it, what was the rest of the pregnancy like for you guys as, as first time parents? Um, yeah. It was, it was great. I think, you know, after that, after, you know, speaking with some family and getting their support, um, yeah, it helped us dive into just, you know, learning about the pregnancy, learning about XXY and feeling closer and closer to, to him and each other um, every day, you know, finding communities of support that answered questions, not only, you know, those communities answer questions not only for, for client filters, but for pregnancy in general. Um so I think our experience was, you know, honestly, really, really good. Um, and he, he came, I think, just a few days before our expected due date. Um, all went well there. And, yeah, again, just the most beautiful, cute little guy in the world. So wouldn't know any different. But, you know, we're thankful that we do. So when, when you guys were going through, like, the, the labor aspect, right, you know, there's kind of – even though you guys had accepted Kleinfelder syndrome um, – you know, a lot of families and a lot of mothers, they say after the pregnancy, when they're holding their child, XXY Kleinfelder syndrome has completely like has been completely like vanished from their mind in that moment. This is like yeah. a beautiful child. And the, even people that don't have the experience that you guys have had with the acceptance aspect of their son's diagnosis, they say that that moment, that moment in time, there's never ever a feeling of like something's wrong with you or you have Kleinfelter syndrome XXY. It's just like, wow, this, this beautiful baby boy is mine. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely our experience. And, you know, at that point we were still waiting for a cord blood testing. So we didn't, you know, a hundred percent know we were pretty certain, but again, at that point we didn't, not that we didn't care. Um, but you know, we, you know, he was, who he was like, we, we almost, you know, wanted just because of the community, the support, all we had learned, we almost like wanted him to have that diagnosis at that point. Cause that's just to us, that's who he was. Oh man. You, I love, I just love the, the positivity that you guys embraced from, you know, learning and, and giving yourself a, a, the education of it. I mean, it's, it's really, 
I mean, it's just gonna it's gonna make Jax, you know, when he learns and understands about it, the way that you guys have embraced it, he's going to accept it from a very young age, you know, and and um, you know, he might not, but I, I know that within my heart I feel that he's gonna have the the same kind of reassurance from his parents and embrace his differences and, and that's totally everything that we preach for, you know, everything that I'm trying to get families and, and parents and people to understand is like, you know, this, there's so much positive that comes from this diagnosis that gets, that gets kind of drowned by all the negativity, um, and the name and, and how you guys embrace the pregnancy and, and all that. It's, it's definitely wonderful to have, you know, you guys just a real honest perspective, especially from a father. Um, we don't get, a lot of dads that kind of um, push themselves there. They might be involved in the home, but to get on the podcast or get on an interview, it's, it's a lot more challenging to get dads on here than it is to get the mom, the moms. Um, so once he was born and, and once you guys got the cord blood, you know, one of the things that I was trying to search for an an, uh, a question. And one of the things I was going to kind of ask is like the, the kind of confirmation, you know, you guys didn't fully know that this was his diagnosis, but you guys, embra- you guys embraced it and you guys weren't going to do like the amnio or the CVS because of the, the, uh, um, miscarriage, you know, possibility of miscarriage. The, the percentage on yeah. that is pretty, yeah. I know the percentage on that is pretty high. So kind of what, you know, what was your final kind of, how, how did you, how, how did, I know that you are like, we've already kind of answered this, but how did you guys learn, like fully embrace, you know, he's XXY, even though you didn't know, and you didn't let the, yeah. you didn't let the fear of not knowing hold you back from, you know, worrying about that. Yeah. I think, you know, like I mentioned, he had a, a good percentage chance. So we were just operating as if that was the case. And then when we found out it was, you know, further activation of that, right? So uh, this was something fun that I, I found to be quite humorous. Um, being Again, being a first-time parent, you know, setting up um, a pediatrician appointment, right? So I guess typically, at least in our area, um, and this was a, still a shock to me, um, you know, you just find a pediatrician in your area, whether it be recommended, referred, whatever, whatever course you take, um, and then, you know, once the child's born, you, they say, hey, once the child's born, let us know. We'll make an appointment. You come in. Um, okay. <laughs> that, that felt a little weird to me. Um, I wanted to be a little bit more intentional, especially with, you know, his potential diagnosis. So, you know, we, we tried to identify and through the communities that my wife had, or, um, you know, participated in, had some suggestions for who, what pediatricians, you know, those moms had used for their kid, um, had some understanding of XXY. So we, you know, we, we found one of those and actually made a, an appointment, you know, prior to birth to meet with him and explain, you know, our potential situation. Um, hopefully, you know, have questions answered that we still had from him and let him ask questions of us. Um, I thought that was really impactful. So we, you know, within that created another advocate for him and he, he's been great. Um, same thing, you know, following that lined up, meetings with geneticists and endocrinologists um, here um, just along the way, again, as we approach those milestones, um, whether it be speech or crawling or walking, um, 
uh, you know, the need for PP potentially. Um, yeah, just, you know, kind of getting our ducks in a row and making sure he has the best path forward. I mean, that that's a huge, that's a huge aspect of this. And like with the nonprofit, there's so many avenues that I, we need to go down and we need to provide resources for, but being such a small team, um, it's so, you know, it takes a lot of time to develop all these resources for people. And like you said, that's, you know, that's one of the things about this podcast is learning like other people that listen, learning from their experiences. And that's something that is super awesome that you guys, you know, were proactive about and put yourselves out there to make sure that he had like this supportive medical team because of the lack of information and knowledge and finding those doctors that are willing to, you know, you guys are going to be like 95%, 90 to 99%, you and your wife are going to be your son's biggest advocates when it comes to everything related to Kleinfelder syndrome. Um, Most doctors do not, unless, like you said, you're part of the Extraordinary Kids Clinic, but that's extremely rare for, you know, not a lot of families. I don't think they're doing this study anymore, so not a lot of families have that opportunity um, to go there and, and, um, do that. So like in their own homes or people internationally have the, you know, know that, Hey, like I'm going to build a support network of doctors and OTPT if they need it, um, to be prepared for it and to have people that are going to support him and not going to just Google Kleinfelder syndrome and, and base my child off of another number, uh, based on the information, the outdated information that they know about XXY. So that's, that's like, you guys have already tenfold, you know, done more than, I'd say more than a lot of people, but it's, it comes to, it comes to like understanding and embracing, right. And accept, I think acceptance yeah. is the, the biggest I, thing. I think I, I would say we were able to be proactive because others, you know, before us have been proactive like yourself and the community there. And then you know, the Kleinfeld community, you know, beyond living with XXY and what we found here even locally, and I'd imagine our, is local in other, you know, states and other cities. Um, that's just the kind of community that we found living with XXY and um, the Kleinfeld community in general to be, right? That positive, supporting, encouraging, helpful. Um, yeah, so I, I would encourage anyone with this diagnosis to, you know, look beyond um, look locally, see if there are connections to be made because, you know, people with this can be you know, super helpful. And again, yeah, we were, we were able to be so proactive and intentional because others before us had been as well. I appreciate that little, uh, you know, shout out. And, and that's what it's all about is, you know, sharing, sharing your diagnosis story, sharing your son's story, sharing how he went to college or how he became a electrician or a plumber or how you know all of these aspects that people don't really realize can make the more voices and the more people that share their story like you're doing today um the more that this can become more well known and and it's just it's like a revolving door it just keeps giving back um yep the more people and then people are inspired people are going to be inspired by your story and and then they're going to be like I want to give back because Tyler decided to give back and that's kind of the the only way that Kleinfelder syndrome is going to you know reach a mass public um, kind of understanding is from our community to the world. It's it's not going to happen through the doctors or the the school books teaching the doctors. It's it's got to come from um, the community itself. And 
and empowering people to to share their stories because it truly matters. Um, I want to go back real quick and then we'll we'll follow up with Jack's after birth. Um, so you mentioned that you know you guys enrolled in the extraordinary kids clinic and can you can you kind of just break down kind of how you found it and um, what that was because I know that there's a lot of families out there that um, kind of want to be involved in stuff like that but don't necessarily know how and I don't think they're doing the study I don't think they're enrolling for it anymore but um, extraordinary kids clinic can be a huge resource yeah yeah so I think we just I think we either found it on your site or through Google or something else, but understood it to be an opportunity where we could learn and participate. So, you know, I just filled out the form um, and kind of followed up and yeah, eventually got in contact with someone, had a little bit back and forth and, and we're enrolled from there. So we do it virtually. Um, the first few months where uh, we did a, a meeting prior to birth and then uh, after, and then now I think it's every six months or so we'll kind of check in Um kind of with his dynamics um again i think we'll be closer to some milestones there so we can maybe touch on that with them um but yeah i think they are i I think they are potentially pausing further studies but i know they're continually looking at funding and you know um university of colorado and the children's hospital there are are leading advocates as well in this area um and kind of the, the gender spectrum so, you know, we just wanted to be teamed up with them and, you know, do our part to help others to, to learn from, from what we're experiencing and, you know, make some connections and learn ourselves. And, um, yeah, this, this was the right opportunity, the right time for us. I'm, I'm hopeful that more opportunities like it um, continue to advance and, and come to fruition for, for those with future diagnoses. Um, and, yeah, that, that's kind of just how we stumbled upon it. And did you guys, are you guys enrolled in the TESTO study or is it the other one? Um, is it the, did you guys do the baby testosterone shots or no? No. Okay. No. So, yeah, so I think that one's come to con- conclusion. I think they're trying to get results um, for that. Um, that was something, you know, the whole testosterone journey is something we're, you know, super intrigued by and continually learning about, um, you know, how, how to approach that. Um, you know, there are more and more ways, um, you know, as, as we advance, but yeah, that was another element. We just kind of wanted to stay tuned to what they were finding and, you know, make sure we're, we're exploring the best options for Jack. Um, and, yeah. and what pushed you guys to, to be involved in research? Cause that's, you know, there, there's a very, even though our community is small, there's also a very small portion of our community that actively participates in research yeah i think it was just that right i think there's just a need um and for us it wasn't a heavy lift Uh, i think we we understood that there was a lot to contribute um i think it helped us to be in will help us to be intentional uh, about his milestones and what we're learning about him and you know how we're you know viewing his pathway forward um yeah, so providing as much information as we can from our experience and then hopefully gleaning, you know, some learnings back that, you know, we can take internally and then spread to, you know, the, the other communities that we're a part of. Well, I appreciate your, your um, you know, enrolling in your research and being a part of that. Research can be can be a lot of work and there can be a lot of a lot of stuff. I've, I participated in a five day research study at the NIH in Bethesda, Maryland um, in 2018 and it was five days of crazy extensive um, 
testing, blood work, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in tests and, and MRIs and stuff. I have a, I have a scar from it, a little hole punch where they took my skin on my left forearm. So most of the guys that have been involved in that study um, will have the same kind of markings that I have from it, which I find really cool to just, it was a, yeah. it was a wonderful opportunity. Um, so I want to kind of continue to, to Jax, right? Um, after yep. cord blood, after confirmation, um, you know, what, you know, you guys kind of wanted him to have this. And once you got the confirmation, um, you guys already kind of knew, but what was it like having the hundred percent diagnosis? Um, yeah, I think at that point we were, we were just ready for, for him to be home, for him to be him. I think, again, I said like at this point we would know, no differently. Um, I think now it's to the stage where he's kind of trying to start to want to roll. So we'll pay attention to that. Um, and if that's, you know, delayed from what's expected or whatever reason, you know, we might check in with, with our doctor. Um, you know, I think there's just little things that we can bring to each appointment to maybe bounce some questions off or learn, but yeah, he's been, you know, a joyful, smiley, fun, relatively easy baby, which I think is maybe contributed to that diagnosis too. I think, you know, babies maybe for whatever reason are, are a little bit easier. He sleeps through the night. Um, you know, he doesn't have colic or cry too much. Um, he's generally really happy. He, he hasn't had problems eating, which I know can possibly be an issue. Um, yeah, it's just that mindfulness of everything to potentially expect, but, you know, knowing that each baby, you know, whether diagnosed or not is unique um, anyways. Right. And I think that's another central point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, we couldn't love him anymore. <laughs> I think, I think this is a, you know, with you, I, I, this is a great opportunity to, to express, you know, your guys through your guys' education and understanding of Kleinfelter syndrome, but also Jax is Jack or Jax is Jax. And he's, um, Kleinfelter syndrome isn't the full sum of who he is. And so you guys are enjoying and embracing his milestones and all these, you know, how old is he now? Uh, he's almost four months. Okay. So it'll be four months and five days. Yep. So he's got four months and five days. <laughs> um, so he's got these, you know, attributes and that you guys are looking out for, but you guys aren't fully, I think this is a really, this is a really kind of hard understanding for a lot of families is like, what are the delays Kleinfelter syndrome or are the delays just your child and kind of yeah. where, when to worry and when to, you know, when to not worry and, and not let that constantly be a, uh, like a thing on your mind. So how have you guys kind of navigated that, you know, is this XXY or is this just a firstborn child that we don't know as parents? Yeah. I think it's that, that thing again, right? Like there's a spectrum of XXY, but there's a, you know, there's a large spectrum for these milestones, whether it be walking, talking, like there just is a spectrum for some kids will walk uh, towards the end of the year, some might a little bit later. Um, so it is hard to know if it's related to XXY spectrum or just the spectrum of, you know, child growth. Um, so I think that's what we've been intentional about, you know, partnering with our doctor, um, meeting with a geneticist and, and uh, endocrinologist just to, to join with us on that journey. Um, I think, you know, there's opportunity for them to continue to learn about you know, XXY too, I don't think they have too many of those patients. Um, 
So if we can help them with learning there and they can help us and we can kind of navigate together, um, that's kind of our plan. So, yeah, I think it's just that, that knowledge base that it's a spectrum both ways. And, you know, when we need to intervene, we, we will, and we'll, we'll consult with kind of, you know, the team that we've, we've gathered and our, our community and, um, our family is kind of aware of these things. So when they're watching him, they'll be mindful of that too. But yeah, uh, I, I think it's just, you know, not, not having anxiety, but, you know, being ready to, to make a push for him if, if needed. Well, speaking of which, what, what are the, some of the most amazing qualities about Jackson and, and what have you guys kind of fall in love with and, and who is he as an individual yeah. that you guys have noticed? Yeah. So he loves water. Um, so he's always loved baths, which I think can be worrisome for, it can be a problem for maybe some children. So we, we do that almost every night. Uh, he just loves it so much and splashes. The first time he ever laughed was in a bath. Um, so that's a great memory for us. My parents have a pool. Um, and now in, in Michigan, you know, we don't experience too much sun, but the summers are really nice. So over, you know, the holiday weekend, we, we went to the pool and, you know, he loved it naturally. Um, so that was another great experience for us. We're hoping he might, you know, develop into a swimmer. That's kind of, kind of our lean at this point. Um, we also have a dog who, uh, a golden retriever who pays a lot of attention to him and, you know, Jack doesn't give him the time of day, which, which I think is good. He does just ignores when he's licking him and everything else. So we think, you know, he'll, he'll be a dog lover because he's just grown up with that. Um, and yeah, he just, he's the, the smiliest, laughing, very curious, um, always looking around baby. We, we actually had to enroll him in, in daycare um, a couple of weeks ago. And our daycare is awesome in that they provide, you know, pictures and updates throughout the day. So, you know, the one, the first time they did this, you know, they said, I get notifications from, from the app that they have, but it said Jack was happy. He was curious. He was playful. Um, and then they sent a picture of him just smiling in a little chair in it. You know, my heart couldn't have been more full in that moment. So one thing I ask a lot of newly diagnosed, you know, their new, newly born families is, is your son an observer? Very much so. So does he kind of watch and see how other things are, are act op- and he's probably too young to get fully engaged, but um, just constantly observing everything around him and taking it all in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny that you say he's too young probably, which he is, but you know, I answered that question immediately with a yes. Cause he, yeah, he, in as much as he can be, he is definitely an observer, definitely curious, always looking around. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely a good descriptor for him. Yeah, it's a super, I've noticed with all the families, even with me as an adult and a lot of the older men, like observing people watching um, younger kids that are playing at playgrounds, they observe other kids doing stuff before they jump in because they want to make sure um, that, you know, they've figured everything out before actually doing it to make sure that your confidence and, and you know, feeling good about doing something. Um, so that that's something that I've, you know, a lot of the families, especially the younger, newly diagnosed families, it's something that they've all kind of noticed in their child. Um, so there's are, there are some like really amazing positive similarities between, you know, most of the kids within the community, if not all. And, um, that stuff has never been studied. Um, you know, and, and that's, 
that's kind of the proactive. I just, I really appreciate you being on the show today and really sharing your guys, your guys' story as a whole. And, you know, the fact that you're actively involved in research and telling family and, and you've got your medical team and you're constantly educating them. I mean, this is kind of like one, one aspect of advocacy, like being open and um, sharing your diagnosis is super important. And I obviously encourage everyone to do that. And there's uh, most of our community, I would say, um, is not open about the diagnosis. So the, the families like you guys who are, it, it really helps the families that aren't kind of come out of their shell and, and realize that like maybe it might not be as scary as we think it is. And um, being actively involved in kind of advocating within your own circle is making a bigger diff, even though it's a very small circle, it's still making a big difference because yeah. potentially there's going to be another family in Grand Rapids that gets diagnosed with XXY. There, there is, I undoubtedly there's gotta be right. Like, um, yeah. and it's kind of like you're, you're actively trying to build a community within your time, like within your local area. Um, you know, obviously we do a great job of, of creating that online community presence and we're going to slowly branch out and do some you know, physical meetups now that COVID is kind of dying down and people are getting back to their normal, normal lives. And I, it's just really important to kind of, you're, I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and, yeah. and not being afraid of, of the, not letting the diagnosis dictate how you guys, you know, raise and, and, and treat and, and educate your son, um, you know, taking, taking the reins of this whole entire thing and, and di like not, and, and dick kind of, letting your knowledge dictate like, okay, yeah, he's not walking. You know, we, we might need to get some OT or, or yeah, his speech, he could, you know, use a little bit of that. Let's enroll him in speech kind of just being proactive. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, this is, yeah, it might seem, you know, crazy to say and, you know, with especially, you know, the fear driven, you know, diagnosis at first, but I think out of this whole experience, we've, we've certainly come to find more positive, right about the diagnosis than the negatives overall right we have this community we know um you know the positive aspects the observing the joyfulness the the gentleness um and then yeah just uh, being able to be an advocate for him being able to participate in something like this talking about our experience talking about our child um and you know he's already a rock star so <laughs> Like, yeah, certainly more positive than the negatives out of the diagnosis, which, you know, that first day, if you had asked me, I, I wouldn't have imagined to be the case. So what would you, what would you say to like other, you know, newly diagnosed in utero parents that are out there? Um, you know, what, what, what is kind of some, some direct messaging that you would tell them? Yeah. Um, well, hopefully they're hearing this. Because um, then they're on the pathway to to a good start, right? Finding this community, finding this accurate, um, helpful, positive, shaping knowledge. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're just continually going to have to be an advocate advocate for your kid. I think um, reframing and understanding it's a blessing to know so many different things um, about them is it, huge. Um, and yeah, I think just staying engaged. Um, and, you know, learning as much as you can um, and just praising and glorifying the aspects um, that you're seeing in them. Uh, that's been paramount for us. And is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you want to you want to talk about or um, have we kind of touched everything that you feel? 
Um, yeah, no, I, I think this has been a, a great discussion, just kind of cements um, our journey and, you know, again, the, the great community that's to be had here. And it, it goes beyond, I think, you know, even just yourself and the team, like we've, you know, had some, some chats and discussions, whether it be Instagram, DMs or likes or reactions to some of our posts, like people are encouraging and positive and they want to help. So don't be afraid to, to ask for that. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, Cause what we found is people are super engaging and, you know, understand that there might be some worry, but I think we've all come to know that, you know, that is certainly negated um, by the support and, and the positivity that can be, you know, can be had in these communities. And I, I just realized that we shared your story that you wrote for a blog and, yeah. and how, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that as we end, we kind of get to the end of this podcast, I'm thinking about like, okay, you know, you're on this podcast right now sharing your guys' story, but then when this podcast is posted, you're going to share this story with the family and friends and the people around you, yep. and they're going to get to listen to maybe a lot of detailed information that they didn't know about um, or other aspects of um, Jack's or other things about your guys' yeah. pregnancy or your diagnosis, and they're going to then, you know, po- maybe positively or, you know, or just ask you guys more questions about how we can help or, or all that. So how was, when you kind of shared the blog that you wrote um, and we posted it and we posted on social media, how did you share it? How was that reaction from, you know, other people learning more in depth about your guys' story? Yeah. Yeah. I shared it, um, you know, with both of our sets of parents, um, just shared it the link. I, I think they both came back to us crying. Um, just, just they're proud of, of us and, and of him. Um, and I think, yeah, I think to your point, right, there might be some more questions because you're coming from a different perspective, you know, having lived it than them. Um, so naturally we don't, you know, maybe get into parts of this conversation, you know, with, with where they're coming from that we will with you. So it might inspire some more questions, some more learning. Um, and to us, all of that is good. Yeah, it brings, I think also it brings, you know, with Kleinfelder syndrome, before I got COVID, I took a week off and I was able to kind of look at things from the outside. I know that I've been, you know, I've, I've been so deep involved in Kleinfelder syndrome that I don't really remember what my life was like before in some aspects. And that can be positive and it can have a negative attribute. And I kind of gave me an, an ability to kind of look at look at it from the outside of, of instead of just being completely immersed by everything XXY all day long, every day. And, um, it's definitely given me some other perspective. Like you guys said, like you, you guys aren't, you know, you're still, your son's only four months. So you still have a long journey to testosterone and fertility and these other aspects of the diagnosis that add, there definitely are some more complications and some more challenges, but as when being diagnosed in utero, you kind of have that crystal ball and you kind of, you know, that these are going to be milestones that you're going to get to. And with all the knowledge and education and family support and friends and people around you, like the navigating those pathways, um, in the next 10 years, you know, is, um, that's a lot of knowledge and a lot, a lot of time where you guys can be actively involved in the community, learning and sharing experiences and, and, you know, charting down information. So, um, it's definitely been an awesome experience having you on. And, and as a father, you know, I encourage if people have made it this far in the podcast, I encourage more fathers to 
kind of get out there and share their stories. Um, it's really impactful. It makes a huge difference and it empowers more men to kind of, um, you know, break out of that comfort shell and, and just, just share. Um, so I really appreciate you being on the show and, and, um, it's been just a wonderful experience. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks for everything you do. Um, again, I think you've, you've really helped us navigate our journey. Um, and yeah, you and your team and, and the community you formed are a big reason for, for why we're where we're at today. So couldn't be more appreciative. Um, and again, thankful for this opportunity to, to join you on the podcast too. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll, uh, we'll talk with you soon. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good one.